Did you know that there are many end-time prophecies in the Bible that have never been understandable apart from modern technological developments? For a fascinating survey of these, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. This is the third in a series of seven programs that we are presenting regarding the signs of the times that indicate that we're living in the season of the Lord's return. All the programs are featuring presentations that were made at our annual Bible conference whose theme was Living on Borrowed Time. I personally kicked off the conference with an overview of the signs of the times. My presentation was designed to lay the foundation for all the other speakers. We showed you a portion of that presentation two weeks ago, and if you missed it, you can find it on our website at lambline.com. The second presentation at the conference was delivered by Don McGee, the founder and director of Crown and Sickle Ministries, located in Amite, Louisiana. Don spoke on the importance of the reestablishment of the nation of Israel as a vital sign that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. The third presentation was delivered by Nathan Jones, my colleague here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. Nathan focused his remarks on the development of modern technology. He showed how it was prophesied in the writings of Daniel some 2,500 years ago, and he demonstrated how it is helping us to understand ancient Bible prophecies that no other generation has ever been able to comprehend, a fact that clearly indicates that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. Here now is a portion of what Nathan had to say. You know, there's kind of a little bit of a challenge by having the topic technology. Two challenges, actually. Three, if you consider I have to follow the famous Steve Archer. But the second one would be, you people hate technology. More than likely, some of you in this crowd are like, oh no, he's speaking about technology. Can I sit in the foyer? Probably because when you deal with technology, it makes you feel like that, right? We all have been there. It all feels like that. Or maybe... You're worried, like Don says, that there's a social stigma with it. You will see a Christ in Prophecy coming up where Dr. Reagan calls me a nerd on national television. You will see that. But there's other reasons. A lot of times, too, we think that eventually technology might even take us over, right? Our creations will try to replace us as we have tried to replace God. Or, in the process, we will lose our humanity and no longer even see humans anymore as technology is integrated into our lives. The second challenge is this. It's just about lunchtime. And you all want to go to lunch. So some of you who hate technology and want to go to lunch, I promise you that I can do my entire presentation in one minute. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right. So I'm about to do it in one minute. I'm Nathan Jones with your Bible Prophecy Insight. Can you believe the technology we have today? I mean, jets, cell phones, x-rays, Mars explorers even. We seem to have it all. And yet, it all came about in just the last few decades. 
And did you know that many of our technologies today were foretold in the Bible 2,500 years ago? The books of Daniel and Revelation describe mass transportation, satellite communications, television, computers, the internet, nuclear weapons, and a great population explosion. And all of this was to come just as Jesus is about to return. To learn more about Bible prophecy, come visit us at lamblion.com. I can't tell if you're clapping because it was a good video or because it was one minute long. But you know, the real reason I think that we have technology is because we like to torment our pets. It's true. I have a beagle who's always digging underneath the fence. This would be great for her. Uh, Cats deserve this, wouldn't you say? Hmm. Any of you folks brought your pet to this conference? Really? Some people bring their pets wherever they go including scuba diving. (laughs) But you know what? Most technology, with all our creative genius as humans, we tend to use it, or I should say misuse it. For one, making something like what's called the womb with the view. (laughs) This is how wheelchairs work in Texas, folks. Off-roading. The Japanese are just such masters of technology, aren't they? That's if you want to get down the hallway and lose your self-esteem all at the same time. Anybody here love watermelon? You can take your watermelon wherever you want to go. This. Personally, I love this. A slide at every staircase. Now, before we get into the end times and technology, we need to define the term, because I'm going to be saying technology a lot. So let's look at some of the definitions here. The Greek for technologist is technologia. It means a systematic treatment of art and skill. Say what? How about the science dictionary? The use of scientific knowledge to solve practical problems. Okay, but do we need science? How about the practical application of knowledge? It's pretty good. Or how about this one? The sum of the ways in which social groups provide themselves with the material objects of their civilization. Or I'm going to put it in my own definition. Applying what you know to fix problems and make stuff. (laughs) Right? So technology does what? It fix problems and it... So is technology so bad? Yes. Who said yes? No, because I'm going to disprove that. Because you know where technology comes from? You know where knowledge comes from, where wisdom comes from? It comes from God, right. Look at this verse, Job 21, 22. Can anyone teach knowledge to God? You don't sound very sure. <laughs> no, no one can teach. Or how about Job 37, whoops, Job 37, 16. Him who is perfect in knowledge. That means God is flawless. He's absolutely perfect. He's the ultimate in knowing things. 
Or Isaiah 40, 14, Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him understanding and showed him the path of understanding? Nobody. Nobody, right? He's the author and the creator. He knows everything. And then you can understand then why the Apostle Paul cried out in Romans eleven thirty three, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths are beyond tracing out. That means that everything that we ever knew came from God. You know, that also means that as while we're in heaven and we are there with him forever, we will continually learn and learn and learn. And we, you know what? We will never catch up to God in what he knows. Is that exciting? Eternity of learning and growing. But you know what? Not only is God the source, he is the keeper of knowledge. Proverbs twenty two twelve says, The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge. In other words, God keeps it. He views knowledge as a commodity. Colossians 2, 3. In whom who are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. The treasure, the treasure of knowledge. In Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. So, not only is the source of knowledge, he is the keeper of knowledge, but we are told here he is the provider of knowledge. And folks, I'm gonna, this is a huge point that we're going to make, is that I'm going to make the argument that the technology, the knowledge, the information that we have today was only given to us by God when he saw fit to give it to us. And I want to talk to you now about the nine tech signs of the end times. Where is technology going? Where is it taking us? And what could it mean? Sign number one, that we know that Jesus is coming soon. Knowledge. This is from Daniel 12.4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So here we're talking about after the angel tells Daniel all that's about to happen, he gives the context of it in verse 4 and 9. The time of the end, the end times, the latter years, the last days, the time of Jesus' second coming. And the Bible always uses those terms to explain when he's coming. Now what kind of technology would existed because a massive growth in learning? Knowledge shall increase. Computers, to be able to store knowledge, all the discoveries that come on top of it, our ability to amass the amount of knowledge that we have today, which some say that a hundred years ago, the equivalent of knowledge that people had then was one issue of the Sunday paper of New York Times in their entire life. With technology today, we can learn like we've never learned before. So, an increase in knowledge means that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Same verse, number two, transportation. Many shall run to and fro. Again, the context is the end times. So the closer we get to Jesus, the more people will run to and fro and farther and faster. Knowledge and transportation, that means that Jesus is coming soon. Number three, the mark of the beast. Let's read through this. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich or poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, let me give you some context here for the mark of the beast. 
During the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation, that's a time period of like the flood where God is going to pour his wrath on the world. And it says at the midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to set up a system of commerce where you can't buy or sell unless you have the Antichrist name or number on your hand or on your forehead. Now, let's make, highlight these two points. Midpoint of tribulation, on your hand or forehead. People can see it. When John wrote about this, the Apostle John, he could see the name or the number on the people who have sworn their allegiance to the Antichrist. So this is important because we get emails all the time into ministry with people terrifying that barcode will be put on their head or they'll get a chip implanted in their bodies. They would have taken the mark of the beast. And as you know, and it's a good big concern for the people in tribulation, that the mark of the beast means you're condemned to hell. That's it. You've sworn your allegiance to Satan. There's no chance of going back. But you know what, folks? This is something that will be implemented at the midpoint. Where is the church going to be during the tribulation? We're out of here. Can any of you accidentally take the mark of the beast? No. Do you have to worry about being chipped? Well, yeah, I don't want to be chipped, frankly, but it's not the mark of the beast. So what kind of technologies would come during the tribulation time? More than likely, since it's visible, it's got to be some kind of tattoo. But a lot of the inks nowadays are magnetic reader inks that people can scan and store information in. Can you believe that? You can have your whole health history built right into your credit card information etched in through magnetic ink. Maybe an RFID chip is involved, embedded underneath whatever that mark is. I don't know. It's possible. How do you connect all that information? Oh, maybe you build giant data centers in Utah. Call them PRISM, perhaps. (laughs) To connect all the world's information together, it might be. And you also need to connect e-commerce. You also need to connect the internet. So all these technologies are coming together so that the Antichrist control all the technology, all the commerce, control the people during the tribulation. So that technology exists today, and that means that Jesus is coming soon. Sign number four, and it's a wonderful sign. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now, technology has played a huge part in evangelism in this time. I am talking to hundreds of people all over the planet right now, and they're not in this room. Praise the Lord. I mean, that's the kind of technology we have. We have more technology today to reach more people than ever before. God wants us to get that word out. He's using us, using that communication tool to get us to share that gospel. But there's also a different type of evangelism. That's the evangelism today. But during the tribulation, God has a different plan. God has a plan to use 144,000 evangelizing Jews. He's got a plan to use all the information we leave behind after the rapture. He has a plan to use this gospel angel who will go throughout the whole world And then when the end will come, that's what Jesus is talking about there. The second coming, not the rapture. The whole world will be evangelized by the end of the tribulation, not before the rapture. Otherwise, everybody would be saved, right? Before the tribulation, there would be nobody in the tribulation. It wouldn't make sense. But during that time, let's look at the two witnesses, Revelation 11, 9 through 10. For three and a half days, men from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, these two, anti, uh, excuse me, these two witnesses will be there in Jerusalem for three and a half years. The Antichrist will kill them. They will die, and they will be stuck there for three and a half days. And you know what? The world will party over it. And then God will resurrect them and take them to heaven. And it says the whole world gets to watch it. Now, is the whole world 
on Ben Yehuda Street? No. It's through t- the only way to understand this te- is through technology. And only today can our generation understand that it's possible. Now, what kind of technology would be needed to watch something on the other side of the planet? Communication technology, multimedia, satellite technology, phone systems, cell lines, cell phones, cameras, television, the internet. All that technology has to come together to get that message out. So, evangelizing the world and how close we are to reaching people all over the world with the gospel through different technologies means that Jesus is coming soon. Now let's look at the image of the Antichrist. This is sign number five. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven and earth in full view of men. Because of the sign he was given great power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Now, what does that exactly mean? During the tribulation, besides the mark of the beast, the Antichrist will have his false prophet set up a statue of him. It's kind of similar to when Nebuchadnezzar set up a statue, and he made everybody worship it. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, what did they do? They wouldn't do it. They stood up, and they got thrown into the fiery furnace. Well, this is all going to happen again, part two. Somehow this image is going to be set up, and anyone who refuses to worship it, the Antichrist, the false prophet, fire will come down and destroy those people who refuse to worship it. And another strange thing, it says this image is given life. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's statue didn't get up and walk around and sing and dance and all that. It didn't move. But this image, the Antichrist image, will be given life. So now, if there's nothing supernatural involved, like a possession of an object or something, which still couldn't move anyway, then what kind of technology could the false prophet use? Well, first, let's look at the fire. How do you make fire fall down from heaven and consume people? Assuming it's not supernatural, pyrotechnics. Look at all the pyrotechnic technology for fire to come down. What about lasers? Do you know how it could be up there now? But how long different countries have been working to have a satellite-based laser system to just zap people from outer space? I mean, whatever it is, the Antichrist will be able to use this technology because he's a counterfeit. He's not a real miracle maker. And they will use this technology to destroy people. Or what about the image itself? How is this image given life? Well, one, it could be a giant robot, and certainly robotic technology is coming. But you know what? I tend to think that it's a fully functional hologram, and this is why. In Japan, just three years ago, a Japanese created Hatsune Miku, a fully interactive, almost self-aware hologram that sang in a live concert called, and she sang the song, ironically enough, The World is Mine. I'll let you take a look at it.
the most popular pop singer in Japan right now. Now, if you have a computer a few years down the line that has the computational power of a human being, who's to say that there won't be AI technology to back this up? So I, I believe that the Antichrist more than likely will be a hologram, easier to transport, easier to move, talks, interacts, can be whatever you look like, and can even look like an anima character like that. So that live image technology exists today to make this image of the Antichrist come alive means that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Now look at the number six, population. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. Now, prepare the way for what? Revelation 9.16. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. And they were trampled in the winepress outside the city. The blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridle, for a distance of 180 miles. Folks, we're talking about the slaughter of a eastern army that's rebelling against the Antichrist. It crosses the Euphrates. The Antichrist is busy with the rebellion in the south. His whole empire is falling apart by the end of the tribulation. He turns around. He attacks this massive army in the valley of Armageddon. And it says the blood runs high as a horse's bridle for 180 miles. Now don't forget, by the end of the tribulation, most of the world population is wiped out. Yet, the kings of the east can amass an army of that caliber. How do you get a human population so large at that time period? Unless you have the medicines that we have today or the population, the exponential curve again. That curve is every human makes more humans and they make more humans. You get a massive population. And because our population today is large enough and because the kings of the East, China and India and all those, can form an army that large, it means one thing. Jesus Christ is coming soon, right? Now let's look at nuclear weapons. These are Old Testament and New Testament descriptions of what a nuclear bomb might look like. In the evening, sudden terror, before the morning day, the city of Damascus are gone. Now, we got Bill Salas here at the conference. Ask him what that means. But if there is any prophecy that is right around the corner right now, folks, it is going to be the destruction of the oldest city on the planet, Damascus, by Israel suddenly in one night. How do you destroy an entire city in just one night? Nuclear bomb. Here's some of the other examples. This is the plague with which the Lord will strike all the nations that fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. Luke 21, 26. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. It was hurled down the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. So throughout the tribulation, many of God's wrath judgment sound like a first century man trying to explain a nuclear holocaust. We have blown up 2,000 nuclear warheads on this planet. We wonder why we're getting cancer and all. But isn't it amazing that more nuclear weapons haven't been used in military actions since World War II? That's God's hand restraining. Restraining for what? Till when? Folks, do you know that the beginning of the tribulation, the first year or so, half the world population will die? How do you annihilate half a world population? 
What did the disciples and the Old Testament prophets describe? A nuclear holocaust is coming on this world one day. We've been anxiously building our own demise. And it just, it saddens me to think that that's the future. But what kind of technologies do you need to develop for that? Heavy metal refinement, nuclear containment, nuclear plants and missiles for deployment. And folks, we have that technology today. Nuclear destruction in the tribulation means that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Now, how do we apply this, all that we have learned here today? How do we apply what we learn about the signs of technology in our lives? Two, one, the technology today tells us, as we study our Bibles, that our time is now, that Jesus Christ is coming soon for each and every one of you here who've accepted Jesus as their Savior. It also means that we don't have much time left. We are living on borrowed time. And that means that we need to get out there. We need to share the gospel. God gave us like this massive, awesome car. Like Think of it that way. You've got this great Lamborghini sitting there. Do you drive it? Yes, you drive it. We've got this great, well, not this chair. It's not Lamborghini. But we've got this massive technology that we need to use to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So are you recognizing the signs? Do you now understand that Jesus is coming for each and every one of you? Will it be at the rapture or will it be through the 21 judgments of the tribulation? If you are saved today, then use this Lamborghini. Use this technology and share it. God's given it to us. He's given us it so that we can use it. Use it. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know him as your Lord, don't leave this auditorium without accepting Jesus as your Savior. I want to say, dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And you know what? The Lord will transform your life. And you will have the hope that everybody else here has. That we are going up with Jesus to be with him forever. Our Lord, our Savior, the one who loves our soul, who calls us children. Don't give that up today. Lord, I thank you so much for the love that you have given each and every person here. I do pray for them, Lord, as we go through this conference, that you will just touch our lives. And Lord, primarily that you will be glorified. Lord, if there's anybody here or online watching this who hasn't accepted you as Savior, now's the time. Lord, may they say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior with all their hearts. May they give their lives to you and accept your salvation. Have the hope that we have that you're returning for us. Lord, I thank you for the technology you've given us, equipped us to be able to share the gospel. We pray, Lord, all this will be for your glory and honor. Amen. What you have just seen is only a portion of the presentation that Nathan Jones made at our conference. The entire presentation is contained in this video album, Living on Borrowed Time. Next week, the Lord willing, we will present a portion of the presentation made by Ron Rhodes about the epidemic of apostasy that is sweeping through the modern day church. I hope you'll be back with us at that time. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Get your DVD copy of the 2013 Lamb and Lion Bible Conference, Living on Borrowed Time, for a gift of $25 or more, plus the cost of shipping. The DVD album contains three DVDs, which contain all six featured speakers. In addition to Dr. David Reagan's presentation, you'll receive Nathan Jones speaking on the end-time sign of technology. Ron Rhodes addresses the sign of apostasy in the church. Don McGee emphasizes the prophetic significance of Israel. Alan Franklin discusses the rise of the European Union, and Pastor Robert Chapman 
Sheffers speaks on the impending implosion of America. Dr. David Reagan's DVD, The Exponential Curve, is available for a gift of $12 or more, plus the cost of shipping. Get both the Living on Borrowed Time video album and the Exponential Curve DVD for a gift of $30 or more, plus the cost of shipping, by requesting special offer number 583. To place your order, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, or order online at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 